This is episode 201 of How About That Cigar, recorded live at the Corona Cigar Studio. We have Aaron Loomis and John McTavish on the show to talk developing palettes and some other industry topics. Please take a minute to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show. Corona Cigar Company is your one-stop shop for all your cigar needs. Whether that's a brand new humidor, a box of those new cigars you've been waiting for, a top-of-the-line cutter or lighter, a place to enjoy the finest cigars and spirits with friends, or the only cigars grown right here in the Sunshine State, we've got you covered. Come visit one of our retail locations for the ultimate cigar experience. Visit us online at coronacigar.com. How about that cigar? Hey, yo, how about that cigar? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corona Cigar Studios for episode 201 of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and for those of you listening after the fact on the audio podcast. Guys, thank you so much for making How About That Cigar a part of your regular audio podcast rotation uh, and we have uh, Matt Ty and Justin Lawler here in the studio this evening. Garrett is ill and will not be joining us this evening, and we wish him a speedy recovery. Oh, ste- he's already in the he's comments. He's already in the comments. He's already in the comments. Daddy's here, it's, it's, whatever that means. I don't want to know. It's going to get weird. Okay. It's going to get weird. And how about them Pilates? I mean, pal- <laughs> what, what's it say? Oh, pallets. Pallets. Okay, got pa- you. Pal- okay. Pilates. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, you have to develop those Pilates too. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So I mean, it might have something to do with our show to know. Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they're going to give me some shit when they get on here, but it's okay. I'll yeah. Take it. Okay. So um, the Stanley Cup playoffs are still rolling along. Um, I basically the Wild lose, and then I root for the Canadian teams, and that's not going su- super well so far. Uh, but Seattle is continuing to surprise me and, uh, I am at this point, I think that we're going to see Seattle and Florida in the final. So what characters are in the Cinderella story that's in your head? Characters? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Kraken. Okay. Okay. And the Panthers. The Panthers. Yeah. Okay. Is that a good? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a good story. It's a good story. It's, you know, I like it. You got, um, we, we can go with that. You know, you, you can go the mythological route. Yeah. You can, it, Hey, it, it covers it, all the bases. It's your story. You tell it, that guy. <laughs> you heard it here first. And speaking of the bases, uh, the twins continue to, you know, drudge along. And I mean, they're still leading the division. I'm not unhappy about that. But we we dropped two out of three to Cleveland's. Uh, Cleveland's a very good team. Uh, but, you know, we, we've just got some things to work out. Uh, but overall, the team's playing really well. Um, the, uh, there's not really, I mean, the NFL draft is over. It went okay. You know, for, uh, for the Packers, it went okay for the Vikings, really not a lot of NFL stuff to talk about right now. Um, although we may, you know, talk a little bit with one of our guests about a particular, uh, player who his favorite team just picked up. Um, you may have heard of him. I don't know. We'll see. This is, um, (laughs) So let's uh, let's jump into it and get our special guests on the show. And on How About That Cigar Live, our special guests are brought to us by our friends at Drew Estate. And Drew Estate has announced the most recent Freestyle Live event pack with an MSRP of $40. These new packs have been prepared, and each one will include four of the new premium unbanded cigars, a Freestyle Live cigar case, 
a Freestyle Live torch lighter, and a Freestyle Live cigar rest. Each pack will also include a badge with a QR code, which allows the purchaser to enter a sweepstakes for a chance to win incredible prizes, including an airfare package to anywhere in the world for two people, a custom longboard from Subculture Studios, and finally, the grand prize, a luxury watch valued at $10,500. For more information, please visit DrewEstate.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, please join us. Put your hands together and welcome to episode 201 of How About That Cigar Live from Developing Palettes, Mr. Aaron Loomis and John, the cigar surgeon, McTavish. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Discount double check, baby. <laughs> yeah, buddy. So yeah, buddy. Aaron Rogers, I mean, some people have Ooh. heard of him. I think he's kind of a big deal. Never heard of him. Um, it it was the longest trade negotiation maybe in in the history of pro sports. I don't know. It was just a drudgery. It was it was the most Jets trade they could have possibly done. <laughs> uh, the Jets the hell out of it. As soon as as soon as the discussions were announced, I'm like, this is going to last forever. Uh, it actually it actually finished up faster. I figured this was going to go well into uh, probably early camp time, maybe you know early June. So, you know, I just, I'm a longtime Jets fan. I'm, I've learned to embrace the suck. So <laughs> at no point was I getting excited. I was like, it's either going to happen or it's not. It, they're going to come in and then they're going to do well or they're not. I just, you know, my excitement level just is zero. I got to maintain my expectations. It's, it's what so what's, do. where do you have, where do you have the, the over under for the season? Oh, you're going to put me in the over under live. Oh, I mean, are, uh, we, are, we talking, are we talking nine and eight? Are we talking 10 and seven? What are we thinking? No, listen, um, if you had, so I've, I've said this many times, if you look at the, the Jets last year, they had a, they had a much more difficult schedule. I think they were the 25th, uh, you know, like uh, however that works. It's the 25th most difficult schedule. So their schedule is actually less difficult this year than it was last year. And based on a, a, what, could only be called the most anemic offense in the NFL. They exceeded with somehow Zach Wilson, the 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 mother lover, Zach Wilson, somehow <laughs> went out there and they won a bunch of games that they shouldn't have. They they took out teams like the Bills, who were kind of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl. Um, so you know, based on that and based on their defense overperforming, they added a bunch of new tools, they added some guy named Aaron Rodgers, never heard of him. <laughs> uh, I think their floor, I think their floor is ten game, uh, ten wins. Wow. Yeah, and I like, and which is a bowl. I realize. Listen, I'm saying this as a Jets fan, and this is of course assuming that there's no injury shenanigans. Injury shenanigans will change the whole thing. But if Rod, if yeah. Rogers is healthy, they have a ten game floor, and I think their ceiling is somewhere around thirteen or fourteen wins. Like I think wow. they legitimately in contention uh i don't think they're going to win the afc east but i think that it's going to be a dog fight down to the wire for AFC east. i think they're going to coming in second and they're going to secure uh they're going to secure the the first uh wild card spot i think is what's going to happen yeah. then they're going to lose in the first round in true <laughs> jets and aaron Rodgers fashion so <laughs> i love the boldness though i mean i hey i i i wish them all the best um and I hope you get the good version of Aaron Rodgers um, as opposed to the the not-so-good version of Aaron Rodgers. Um, 
we've seen both. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it wouldn't be in keeping with my my team's history, which is uh, bad luck if there's any luck. So <laughs> that's why I say we'll see what happens. He could be happy. Well, he could retire halfway through the season. I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, he could, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't, you know, be shocked if that happened. You know, yeah. four games in, you know, he he gets a hangnail and he's like, "I'm done." I'm goes done. another retreat somewhere. Yeah, he goes you for a dark, darkness retreat. Um, so Aaron, I know you're, you kind of gave up on football, you know, years ago, which I, I kind of am starting to realize why you did that as a football <laughs> fan. I'm like, why do I still watch this game? But what are your, uh, I know as a big baseball guy, what are your thoughts on the first month of the season so far, you know, specifically for obviously your Oakland A's, uh, are they going to be the Oakland A's for, for much longer? No, I mean, I, I'm sure they're gone here in, uh, I don't know what, what it was, uh, 26 maybe something okay. like that is when they can get a stadium probably built out there but i don't think that they're gonna they'll, they'll be here for very much longer but um the start of the season i think overall for baseball has been fantastic the uh the clock has really sped up the game i think it's brought uh the game down game times down significantly uh made it i think a bit more entertaining for everybody um along with a little bit more you know, base stealing and things like that. I, I think the season's been going going really well. We'll see how it pans out for the the whole season. Um, but I, I like the speed. I mean, like the yeah. there was a game today, uh, Pirates game. I think was over like two hours and fifteen minutes. It was like yeah, bang, is that bang. legal? So it wow. is now. <laughs> yeah, the home opener for the Twins was uh, ten innings, and that was only uh, two hours and thirty seven minutes. Yep. Wow. For a 10 inning game. So I, I am all for it. Uh, now they definitely, you could tell the first couple of weeks, you know, they were figuring everything out, but yeah. I think they're starting to dial it in. So I, I agree. I like the speed of, of things. Yes. So hopefully that'll uh, continue. I, I'm kind of with you. I, I, at least I think this is your position from what I've heard from you on Coop's baseball show before is you're, you're a proponent of uh, robots calling balls and strikes. Hundred percent. I kind uh, of am too. Yeah, I mean, you have a you, have, you kind of have a set zone, right? And um, your whole goal is to have consistency throughout the game. So as long yeah. as you can create that area that the system can decipher, uh, you don't have to rely on a human. And um, I think you just take that. At, you know, if you take that worry away from the the hitters, you yeah. know that they that what what they have to work with once we see what they see what's being called, um, and then just let the game go from there. That way, you don't have there's nothing that I hate more than, uh, you know, a critical spot in the game when, you know, there might be two strikes on a guy or not even that, you know, it's a, it's a three Oh count. Right. And you, the umpire calls the worst pitch uh, a strike just to kind of keep things interesting. Right. right. And then like the whole kind of thing of the at bat kind of shifts, like now, now this guy's got to worry about swinging at something that's not even close to the zone. Right. Cause mm -hmm. so I, I, I don't, I know Coop likes these like intangible like magic things that pop up in the middle of a game. Like, oh, all of a sudden now there's a there's a hole on the way to to first base that you have to run around this time. So, like, <laughs> I, I don't like those little like weird things inside the game. Like, we have the rules, we know what has supposed to happen. Let's just play, let them play the game, not have some third party like throwing out you know nails, uh, you know, between first and second base, and you gotta you know make sure you don't get uh, a flat tire going around. So yeah, just. Yeah, it's 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 no fun that that part of it. Yeah, I hear you. 
Um, well, I'm finishing up my pregame uh, cigar. We usually have a pregame cigar here in the studio. But um, so uh, we were talking about this before we went live. So I yeah. grabbed a couple uh, uh, older cigars out of my humidor uh, for tonight's episode. It's fun because when you have media guys or non-brand people on the show, you can just pick whatever you want to smoke. And I love that. (laughs) So we, uh, I grabbed some of these that I bought in 2018. So you're saying, so these are Tatuaje. I got that right. It was a special for up down cigar in Chicago. Um... This is the King beefcake. Uh, that was, they, I think they only made 500 bundles of these for up down cigar in Chicago. Uh, so that is uh, what we're smoking tonight. Uh, John, what are you smoking? So uh, as we were talking in the green room, um, we've got some serious pollen. So I'm, I'm a little I'm a little loopy on the uh, antihistamines. And uh, what a better way to match it with than something really strong. I went with the uh, Neanderthal JCF tonight. So something that's been sitting in my humidor. Uh, I don't get a lot of opportunities to smoke for me. And so I was like, this, this get a little man back on my life and get rid of some of that pollen in my system. There you go. Uh, Aaron, what are you smoking and drinking? Uh, I'm not smoking tonight. Um, okay. I've kind of started refraining from smoking at night when I'm going to know I'm going to do a review the next morning. So mm-hmm. kind of just keep everything clean. Uh, but I got a nice uh, Michelada to drink this evening. So we'll all these uh, partake in that portion of it. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm going to get my uh, my cigar fired up right now. And I'm right. going to do that on the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Toast Cam. When lighting your cigar, it's important to pay, be patient, pay close attention to detail, and focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra-premium cigars of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Silver Mesa to Umbagog, Dunbarton has a blend that will fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. Very nice. All right, but uh, I'm also going to ask you guys to help me out here because, you know, I've got a little Coke Zero going, but, you know, that's it's starting to warm up here, so, you know, I need a cold beverage, but warm I also want Minnesota. a little bit of a, I know, finally, <laughs> finally warming up in Minnesota, uh, but I want a little distilled spirit action to kind of go along with my cigar, so uh, I'm going to ask you guys to help me out here. Now, I've got for, first of all, how... Let's do this. I'm going to ask you guys to choose scotch or bourbon. So first of all, uh, King Beefcake, is that is that a broadleaf wrapper? I'm pretty sure that's a broadleaf wrapper, but I yeah. don't know the specs on that. Yeah, well, it, it, was, it, it was, it's really hard to find information about the cigar. Hmm. Um, and I think Pete or the guys at Updown are the ones who are going to actually have the information about it. Well, I don't know how Aaron feels about this. My thought is with Broadleaf, I'd be going with Scotch. If it was like a Habano or something, I'd be going bourbon. I'll, I'll I am all that. for that. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, let's, let's go Scotch. All right. And so Raul Ramos in the comments says Scotch from the non-drinker. Scotch from the non-drinker. So that's three there is, you go. is a party there, you know? All right. So I have uh, uh, Balvini 14-year Caribbean cask. I have Highland Park 12-year. Uh I have actually the only other scotch I have out here is Glen Kinchy 12 year. Well, the Glen Kinchy is nice, but uh, it's got a little bit of saltiness, and a little bit of smokiness to it. And I feel like that cigar needs a little Belvini because that is what I call the redhead of scotches. Everybody likes a redhead. Everybody likes Belvini. 
done and done. All right, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask uh, our first question here, uh, and then I'm gonna go back and grab that bottle. Uh, and and this is for Aaron because this is your first time on our show. We've had John on before, mm-hmm. uh, but one of the things, Aaron, that we love to learn from people who haven't been on the show before is kind of their cigar origin story. So talk to us about the first time you sat down with a premium cigar, uh, what it was, if you remember, and how that kind of blossomed into uh, the cigar smoker you are today. Sure. Um, So uh, every other year I go to uh, Florida with a bunch of guys that I'm in a fantasy football league, sorry, fantasy baseball league with. Um, I've been in this league with them since 2002. So we just broke our 20 year mark in the league. And uh, we go down there to hang out for a week and uh, do the live draft and all that kind of stuff. And uh, this was, I think, 2011. Uh, we went down there, and our tradition is after the draft, uh, we go to, to Texas State of Brazil for dinner. And uh, that was my first time ever going to that, that, uh, that restaurant. It was a pretty cool experience. And on the dessert menu, they had cigars. And um, a couple of the guys um, said they were going to get some cigars. And uh, I said, "Why not? I'll, I'll get a cigar and try it out." I've I've always been a uh, no smoking, especially cigarette you know cigarette kind of guy. So I was like, "All right, I'll give it a shot." So we got the cigars. We took them back to the house. Uh, went out by the pool, uh, lit up the cigars, and uh, it was an enjoyable experience. Um, and uh, you know, um, never having never smoked a cigar, I didn't know what would be good, what wouldn't be good, anything like that. But I enjoyed it. It was kind of hanging out with the guys, um, you know, talking drinking and just having fun uh so it was enjoyable and then um after that trip um i came back home and then i think maybe like two months later i started like thinking about the cigar and like maybe i should try that again and um so i started looking around and finding you know how i could you know what i need to do to buy some cigars and how would i keep them if i bought them and all that stuff so i went down the rabbit hole of humidors and all that stuff and that's kind of how it blossomed uh, my first kind of purchases were through um one of the cigar auction sites um so I was buying samplers and things like that and um you know i bought a i think a 100 count uh maybe 50 or 75 count humidor and uh immediately blew through the storage capacity of that and then that's kind of how it just uh spiraled out of control after that <laughs> and what's uh as far as your like favorite choice when you sit down uh if if you say i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna have a an adult beverage and a cigar what's like your first go-to choice for adult beverage uh see pairing with cigars is i don't usually like to pair alcohol with cigars too much okay Um, because i feel like it's just um they're they're too much just too much of a contrast for me so i'd prefer with a cigar um Maybe coffee, uh, maybe just water, maybe cream soda, root beer, something like that. Something that's got some sweetness to it there. Um, so I would do that. Um, but I mean, you can always go like if you're really just you know gonna relax and you want to go slow and take your time. Uh, a nice scotch um, would work out well. Uh, maybe even a te- tequila, um, a nejo or something like that. That's got a nice you know kind of smokiness to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would do that. Um, and then obviously the cigar can, can, can be different based on kind of your mood and stuff like that. But, um, you know, something that's Illusione, something that's Davidoff, um, you know, um, 
but if it's after a big meal, then you might go, you know, might go something heavier, like uh, Tatawahe, my father, or something like that, a uh, Roma craft. Um, I think it just, just kind of depends on that mood, but um, it's got to just deliver the flavor. I'm not going to be in it for the strength or anything like that. I just want the flavor experience. Yeah. And uh, give our viewers and listeners the, um, the origin story of developing palettes and um, the, and, and we'll, we'll talk more about uh, sort of some sciencey stuff in a little bit, but um, you know, developing palettes as a, as a media group and as a, uh, um, uh, what some would consider an unconventional uh, methodology, which which I love. Sure. Um, so I was uh, working over on the site uh, by Man's Puff, uh, with, along with June, who's my partner on the on developing palettes. Um, we were over there, and um, we had always kind of talked about different things that we'd like to do if we you know if we had our own site or something like that that we weren't really able to do over there and um circumstances kind of presented themselves that um i wasn't really going to be a part of uh by man's puff anymore so um in talking with june i asked him if he'd be interested in starting something else up and he definitely was and we chatted about kind of what that again what that would look like at, from all of our previous conversations about you know what we wanted to do is that feasible can we really make it happen and we decided let's just give it a shot. It's nothing going to get hurt by, by trying it out. So, um, we, you know, we came up with the scoring system that we wanted to use. That wasn't the hundred point scale that a lot of, you know, sites use. Um, and we, you know, we wanted to do, um, kind of a multimedia version of that. So the website, and then also have kind of a, a video recap those reviews. So we could like really discuss, you know, our thoughts together on how we smoked it when we smoked it individually. Um, and um that just that we you know we needed to make it as transparent as possible and be as honest as possible and just really not make it something where we're just kind of you know going crazy over every cigar and things like that but really like use it as our own kind of uh like journal of you know what cigars we thought were better than average and what cigars we thought were worse than average just really trying to create a catalog of you know all the cigars we smoked and how we would actually rank them so that you could really see like you know out of these 50 cigars you could really pick from one to 50 where you thought they they fit in so um that's kind of how we put it together and, and and really got started and tried to you know do a couple of those things differently just to try that out and we and we've always just kind of tried different things just to see if they would work or if they wouldn't work and um you know it's it's kind of like a little sandbox for us to just play in and it we kind of we've just made it public so people can see it if they want to see it and uh if nobody cared about it that'd be fine it's still kind of an interesting exercise that we could we could do on our own um and kind of as that progressed um you know we started gaining some traction and uh you know met a lot of people in you know in media from other sites and in the industry and um you know people were showing interest in the in the site and um you know running across other people and that you know were working in media and that um, maybe we're kind of running out of steam with where they were at and, you know, talking to Seth and Seth coming over and talking to John and working on John for a long time to try to get him to come over. And that <laughs> finally came to fruition. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. And I, you know, John will have to chime in on, on his thoughts, but I, for us, it's just been a really fun thing. You know, it's, um, you know, cigars are fun. Um, so we just get to do something else that's fun with cigars and, um, you know, if you watch our video recaps, it's, you know, the four of us kind of just like 
it's it's kind of as if we were able to you know hang out in one of our backyards and just kind of talk about the cigar that we were you know that's the topic of the evening and kind of talk about that and whatever else that's coming up in the in the topic of conversation so obviously football comes up or whatever you know is going on at the time so um it's just you know gives it gives people a, a 10 minute snapshot you know into what's going on with us while we're smoking that you know what we smoke that cigar or you know what's that whatever's going on so we we just want to have fun with it and you know yeah. but but still be but still be you know honest about everything in in, in all that you know it's uh the cigars still come first you know that's the focus of the whole the whole thing but um just have fun doing it yeah so john you were like you were like Aaron Rodgers, you know, your agents were holding out for more money and, you know, more compensation, com- compensatory picks and things like that. Right. Well, I was, I was jumping conferences. Right. So I was jumping from from the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference. And I was like, this seems like a you know, scary move. Like, I don't know how they do things over in the other conference. I don't you know, I don't want to get, get myself into trouble here. So, yeah, Aaron wasn't kidding. He had to work on me for a while, but um uh, I'm really happy I made the 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 jump over. Um, like like Aaron said, uh, it's been fun. I mean, even even when we've been doing trade shows and things have been busier or hectic or whatever. Uh, what's nice is I think our personalities all fit really well together. Um, you know, doing the media house at the uh, at the trade shows, um, it just feels like a calming, relaxing environment to come back to. Which is, I mean, that tells me that everything's working really well. So, uh, you know, Aaron. Uh, has to chase me less these days for reviews, which is nice. Uh, so, you know, a little, little bit less stress off of uh, his shoulders. Well, and I agree with this comment. Eric says the 15 minute plus videos are the best because it usually <laughs> means Seth or John went off. And that is totally true. The ones usually when I'm, when I'm going through and I see there's a new uh, video recap, I'm like, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's more than 10 minutes. This, this is going to be good. This yeah. is going to be good. <laughs> My favorite still to this day. I, 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 the first time I watched this video, I laughed so hard. I, I almost had uh, Diet Coke coming out of my nose. When when Seth, I don't remember which one it was, but one of the, the liberties, and he said, you know, give me liberty or death, and in this case, I choose death. I <laughs> lost it. Yeah. I abs- That was one of the, still one of the funniest things I've ever read on a cigar site or seen on a vi- cigar video ever. I just that was priceless. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of surprising. Uh, like Aaron said, you know, we just kind of have fun with it. We, we obviously focus on the cigars, but um, it's interesting because, you know, I feel like we do speak our mind. Like we, we're, we're honest. Um, we try to keep it respectful, but you know, it's like four guys sitting around. And when somebody says, you know, what do you think? I'm like, well, this is my unfiltered un you know, uh, un PC opinion. And, you know, take 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 from it what you will but um you know i'm just one guy i'm just one cigar smoker and uh as i'm sure you've enjoyed matt the fun part about the reviews is when we disagree because that makes the uh the review a lot more interesting than when we all agree which is rare but does happen yeah well and i i really appreciate the fact too that um the the scoring system and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Aaron, on this, that it basically five is meets expectations and anything above that is above average and anything below that is, but is that kind of the basic gist? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I started, um, you know, I, 
because I do this a lot for my day job, um, you know, looking, analyzing data and things like that. And I know um, you guys have a lot of experience with that as well, whether it's cigars or other stuff. And it's, it's something I find fascinating. And I think it really does tie in well to um, when you're evaluating a product like a cigar or a glass of whiskey or a beer or a tequila or something or a meal. Um, and one of the things that, that uh, a quote that I remember, and, and it's, this is sort of a paraphrase of it. There's a, there's a quote from, from somebody I don't remember, uh, but it was something like um, everyone is average, but some are just a little more average than others you know kind of thing and um and then there was i know this is really silly but for uh, remembering watching this movie with my kids uh the incredibles when uh the little the little tiny kid dash he says uh, or the mom says everybody's special dash and he's like which is the same way of saying no one is right <laughs> you know and yep. uh, as you guys kind of examine the products that you examine you know you sit down with a cigar and i also love the fact that you you all sit down separately and do your own smoking and your own notes without any because it is true that if we're sitting together and smoking the same cigar somebody will throw out a tasting note and somebody's like oh yeah right I yeah, got that too. yeah I got, even <laughs> even though it was probably nowhere on their mind that and yeah. it, it sort of subconsciously puts it there so i like the fact that you do it separately and then uh, come together with it. Um, but you know, the, um, the Pareto distribution or the Pareto principle, you know, the 80, 20 rule, yeah. you know, it's, and that that's like cigars, beers, whiskeys, door to door sales, door to door sales, you know, this, <laughs> and, and to the get, averages, to baby. get a little out, you know, crazy with it, you know, the stars in the sky, the trees in the forest, you know, all the, if you look at all the trees in the forest, you know, 80% of them are average height yep. and 10% of them are below average height. And the other 10% are above average height. And really the same is true with cigars. Yes. So where are you seeing, where are you guys seeing the trending of cigars in the last 10 years, you know, as far as, because the average, w would you say the average moves Yes. Okay. Definitely, so, definitely so moves. talk us talk us through that. Where they, how how you how you process through that with your scoring and your reviews, when when knowing that the the average that that needle moves, whether we know whether we like it to or not. I think for me, the way I kind of use that is that you're taking kind of your you're having like a rolling kind of a count of your experiences as you go, kind of move along. So if you see a trend where like everything's kind of moving down, you know, you're going to every, every so often you're kind of like slightly readjusting saying like, all right, this is, I'm seeing a bunch of them that are now getting to be down here. Like this is starting to become the new average at this time, but then you have to kind of keep that feeling going. And if you st start seeing a slight upward trajectory that has to adjust as well. So I mean, over time, I would say like we kind of peaked out around 2018 um, for like where cigars were, you know, at a good go running at a good clip. And then it, from kind of, from 2018, it started to go back kind of on a downward trend. Um, and this year, I think we've seen the slight back upwards. But I mean, we're still early in, you know, first half of the year kind of a thing. Um, so I'm not going to call it yet that we're going, you know, we're back on the upswing. But 
um, I think we, I think at least we've you know kind of reached that you know settling point where we can see whether it's going to you know trend back up or it's going to take another you know slight tick down or we're going to stay level for a little bit. But I, I would say that's kind of the the window of where I where I see things. Yeah, John, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree. And it's funny, he, he said 2018, because that's exactly where my head was at with, um, if you look at the sort of the outliers, I think 2018, at least in my mind, was the highest number of outliers, both in a positive, both in the number of cigars that sort of way exceeded expectations, surprisingly, but also cigars that were distribution very low. So um, that was probably a year for me where I think we used the scale the most top to bottom. Um, and then, you know, as we move towards 2019, it compressed a little bit and certainly through 2020 through 2023, I think we've seen a lot more compression towards the middle. And, uh, and I'm of the same mind that Aaron is in terms of, you know, when I'm smoking and I'm thinking, okay, you know, how does this compare to the last five cigars I review, the last 10, the last 20, last year, the year before that. And, you know, what I'm looking for as I smoke it is like, and I think people really struggle with this, um, and, you know, we have these conversations constantly is that there's this mentality in the industry of everything is excellent. And it's like, well, if everything is excellent, then nothing is excellent because nothing is standing out. And what we're looking for is something that stands out. And so I'm constantly sort of reflecting as I smoke, is this standing out or is it just, you know, just like every other cigar? And that people, I think, take that offensively. Right. And it's like, it's not a bad thing. Like there's, you know, the number one selling whiskey is a blended whiskey because it tastes the same as it always does. And a lot of people want that, but that's not the experience that we're chasing. You know, we're looking for the outliers. We're looking to create, curate a list of the outliers. And I think at the end of the day, the goal for sort of our viewership is for them to either, you know, if the kind of person that's just going to scroll to the bottom and look for the score or at the end of the year, look for that top 25 list to say, okay, you know, these are the 10 cigars that in their opinion or, or June's opinion or Aaron's opinion or Seth's opinion that stood out from the, from the crowd. And those are the cigars that maybe I'll go buy and try out for myself. And then if I disagree, find their video and call them liars. <laughs> Do you think that, uh, so, so, you know, the 80% that are average and then the other 20%, do you think the breakdown of that, um, is i mean you, it, this is kind of along the same lines as what you guys were talking about but you know that i don't know greatness portion you know sometimes the greatness portion is you know like the absolute phenomenal products that you would absolutely buy again do you think that is in somewhere in the neighborhood of a half percent one percent three percent where do you think that that greatness quotient is um, for the last, let's say, uh, year. For me, I would say it's like 5%. Okay. Um, because typically the way my scoring shakes out is if it's above a 6.1, it's probably something I would smoke again. And, um, at the end of the year, there's usually like, you know, depends on the year, but, uh, you know, there could be between four and eight cigars that kind of hit that mark. So that's kind of the, how, how I determine, um, you know, what I think is kind of stands out above, above the rest of them. And that's kind of where I get that 5% from. It's just, um, and I think that's okay. I mean, with the number of cigars that come out every year, like if you have 50 cigars that you say, I want to smoke this again, and you do that for five years, like, 
you're not going to smoke those 250 cigars. Like you got to pick a, a, a subset of that, that you're going to come mm-hmm. back to and smoke again. It's just, it's not doable to kind of, you know, think that there's all these winners out there. Yeah. John, do you think yeah. that number is the same with you? Like 5%? Yeah, I think I mean I think that applies to you know whether we're talking about wine or whiskey or or cigars. I think five percent is about right. And um, you know I was thinking about this the other day because I I've got an increasing number of friends who are Cuban only cigar smokers that are sort of making that transition to the non-Cuban market. And so we were kind of t- I've been having private conversations about like you know what's good in the market. And and as I kind of go back on my lists or our list I should say over the past years. And I look at those cigars and I go, yeah, you know what? That cigar is a banger. And I don't know to date that we've ever had someone kind of look at that list and go, yeah, you know what, man, I agree with you. But like number eight, that was, that was, you got out to launch. That was a dog rocket. Like constantly we're having those conversations at the trade show where somebody would be like, yeah, you know what? Every single one of those cigars truly is a standout cigar. Um, so, you know, there's just, some that are more standout than others. And that's, you know, the top five or top six or whatever, those cigars tend to be a, a true deviation from, from the norm. Like it's a significant yeah. deviation typically. Yeah. And your, your friends who are Cuban cigar fans, they don't feel like paying $750 for one. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, it's, I mean, you know, I remember uh, starting out uh, buying cigars and you know i'm a i'm a i'm, I'm a scottish heritage guy so i'm um, as they say thrifty so i was always looking for deals and then you know the more i smoked cigars the more i realized listen 10 bucks is really not that much to spend on cigars but you know when you start to push that number to 20 dollars and then 30 dollars and then 50 dollars it's like okay hang on uh i don't mind you know dropping 50 dollars in a cigar that's a celebration cigar once in a while but I don't, I don't make that kind of, I don't make that Jeff Bezos money that I'm going to be smoking $50 cigars on the regular. That's, you know, and I, and I don't know that there's a lot of consumers out there that can do that. So uh, I can totally understand the economics of why people are starting to, unfortunately for them that, you know, they don't want to make that transition, but they're being priced out of the market. So that's yeah. just how it goes. Well, and that, that actually is a great segue into another question that we've been posing to a lot of people lately. And this really, I, I thought about it even more deeply earlier today that, you know, this cigar boom that we're in now, and there's so many people who are, you know, have a long legacy in this business who are saying, yeah, this is another cigar boom that we're in right now. Uh, not as big as the nineties, obviously, but uh, it is a boom. But one of the, I see, especially, you know, with COVID and lockdowns and things like that, you know, we did, get a number of new people uh, around the country and around the world involved in the cigar smoking hobby, which I think is great. But one of the things that I worry about is scaring these people off with um, more and more cigars that are at, you know, $40, $60, $80 price points, you know, in, in your local brick and mortar shop. Um, and where do you guys think, uh, what do you guys think about pricing trends right now? Because I'm I, I'm honestly seeing a lot more high price point cigars. And do you think that's going to quash the boom if people can't afford to be a part of the hobby anymore? Do you want to take that first, Eric? Sure. Um, there's definitely some price increases in, in cigars coming out at higher prices. Um, I, I think the ones, I think the, 
cigars that that's going to be a problem for or the brands that are new and launching and launching with those high price high prices because you don't have a track record yet to really kind of demand those prices i mean you may have a story or you may have be working with somebody that has a name or something like that but that still doesn't guarantee people that you know that's going to be worth their 30 dollars to you know gain entry to that smoking experience um I don't think we're at a spot where the, the the high prices are so across the board that it really makes cigar smoking like unattainable. I mean, there are so many bundle cigars and low price cigars that are available out there that people can still get in stuff. Um, I mean, you know, maybe you're not going to have the same experiences that you're going to have with a $15 cigar if you're buying a cigar for three or four bucks, but you're still going to have a smoking experience. And I think for most people, and it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't just apply to cigars, but you know, if you're drinking beer or whatever it is, like, you know, John will tell you about the best-selling beer in, in, you know, in the in the United States, and you know, most people that we talk to probably say they wouldn't drink it. So, yeah. Um, but doesn't mean it doesn't sell, right? So people that people find their enjoyment and what they find their enjoyment in. Um, and I think that, like I said, I think you you could still find those bundle cigars anywhere you want. So people can people could find some at a, at a good price. I mean, we, I think we're we're a little skewed because we see a lot of you know we're staying on top of the news what's coming out and all that stuff and we're hearing price increases all the time and things like that so that that happens but um for what we smoke yeah the, the pricing is trending in a direction that doesn't make sense to to us um but i think that for most smokers it's probably not that big of a deal yet for them okay john what about you well, you know, I actually think it's healthy. Um, and I mean, I don't think, you know, it's probably less than half a percent, maybe even even further down the chain of how many percent of cigars that are in that ultra premium, you know, what I would call the over $25 price point. Um, and I think it's a, it's a healthy thing because I think in a lot of ways, that's probably an unexplored market where there's been only a few players in that ultra premium market. And there are Per, there are there is a consumer that is in that market so um you know as long well and skip skip hit it hit it on the nail as long as there's somebody out there who's willing to pay 30 or 50 or 100 dollars for a cigar then that's great then somebody out there is capturing that market because the truth of the matter is um you know i think a lot of the cigar companies that have been around for a long time have had had to take concessions on profit um because you know the, i think the thing that always blew me away is when I first started really learning about cigars, going to factories and actually seeing the process, when you actually see the amount of work and labor and time and, and steps that go into it, you actually come away from that going, I actually can't believe that a cigar is available for $10 because it, yeah. it seems like it probably should be $50 because you know, just the tobacco side alone, you think about the amount of steps and work a farmer has to put in just to generate the tobacco. And then there's another two or three steps on top of that. And then two more or three more steps beyond that. And it's like, you know what, $12, like that's probably, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to whinge about, you know, oh, well, this cigar is twelve sixty. I, you know, I can get it for twelve ten online. It's 50 cents, man. Who, yeah. like, who cares? Like, <laughs> lobby your local state government or whatever to, to bring the tobacco tax down because honestly that's where that money's going it's most of the time it's not going into the you know quote-unquote thick pocketbooks of the of the cigar manufacturer like you know it's it's a tough business out there and uh i think you know i think we've seen really some adjustments over the last few years for some of these companies that have been taking hits on margin and unfortunately costs on tobacco and certainly through COVID, we saw you know there's a 
pretty big labor disruption. So there's some adjustments that have been made. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, we're probably on average up a, bu- a buck 80, maybe two bucks from where we were a couple of years ago, but it feels about right, you know, based on kind of what the product is and, and the amount of labor that goes into it. It's probably about right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's, there's also buying power, you know, that some companies have, and that's true. Of course. Whatever type of product you're making, I don't care if you're making beer or if you're making furniture or if you're making cigars, if you're, if you make, um, a hundred thousand units a week, then, and you're buying up all that raw material, you know, let's say furniture, you know, you're buying up all that raw material. You have to pay a certain amount per board foot or whatever, uh, where a company, you know, that's, you know, making five and a half million units a week, you know, they get that raw material for way less money. And, and in the end, they, they can mass because they have huge factories, they can mass produce everything. And because they have more buying power and they have a, uh, they have a longer track record, maybe more, more, uh, customer knowledge and all that, they can charge less per unit to the end consumer. Um, and, and yet at the same time, for the most part with, you know, some exceptions, the ingredients are roughly the same, but there is, uh, and, and we've, we've seen it cause we've been to cigar factories that some of the smaller factories are able to be more selective and pay really a lot more close attention to, uh, color, consistency, quality, flavor, aroma, um, then a comp, you know, then a massive conglomerate kind of company they can say, okay, we're, I mean, we're going to buy these bales. They're not exactly what we're looking for, but we're going to buy them anyway, because, you know, we, we've got to get these units on the shelf kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, um, there's only so much tobacco growing space available in the Dominican Republic, Honduras, Costa Rica, Nicaragua. Um, there's only a certain amount of, of people available to do those jobs. And, you know, like you said, the big thing through COVID was there's, you know, some big staff changeovers. Um, that's not necessarily a growing labor market. So those resources are finite. And let's not forget about the brick and mortar. Like those guys don't have an unlimited amount of shelf space uh, to choose what they're going to display. So anyone who comes along, it's not like there's free room on that shelf for you to just move a new product in. You have to either displace someone that's already in that place or you have to displace your own product. So, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a moving target at all times where things are, are moving. I do agree with your sort of take on smaller factories, you know, and I think um, that's kind of one of the conversations that's constantly been taking place for the last decade is, you know, what's boutique? What does boutique mean? And I think a lot of people, you know, feel like it's a, it's an inflated thing. Uh, for me, I've always kind of defined boutique as uh, artisanal manufacturer who's willing to, to focus on quality before profits. And I, I mean, that sounds kind of anti-capitalist, but you think about like somebody who makes a really nice wooden sculpture or bowl or, or ashtray and their focus is on, you know, getting the best quality raw materials and doing the best work they can with the raw materials. And then they figure out what they're going to charge for after. And maybe that's not the smartest marketing thing for a company, but you know, there's companies, especially in the smaller sort of vein of cigar companies that do that. 
and they're looking at putting out the best possible product they can. And that's their focus. You know, maybe down the road, they make that switch over to say, well, you know what, we're going to, we're going to make some sacrifices because we can produce 2 million more units if we do that. But I think that's an important distinction. And, you know, certainly, uh, certainly I think it comes out in, in what the finalized product is in terms of how well it smokes and, and how good it tastes. Yeah. Well, and part of that along that line, um, it's not a new thing to have mergers and acquisitions. Um, you know, it's been happening in every uh, part of the business world for forever. Um, but in the in the cigar world, um, you know, we see it happen. Uh, Room 101 and Alec Bradley are the two most recent ones that that come to mind. Um, in your in your guys's minds, what are the pros and cons for the end consumer, um, and for the, really for the industry as a whole? If you have thoughts on that too, for when big conglomerates uh, come along and buy up uh, smaller or medium sized companies, uh, Aaron, you first. Um, I'll go with the positives first, and the positives just might be a little bit white, more wider spread distribution, uh, depending on the brand. For Alec Bradley, I don't know so much just because they they had a pretty they've had a long track record and record and kind of uh, you know wide distribution. Um, for Room One Hundred One, maybe a little bit differently. You know, you had um, you know a smaller sales team, you know, pretty much one man for a while to to really get that product across the country um, or around the world, and um, you know now you have a big network to be able to get that through. So I think that helps that that brand in regards to kind of that level of distribution. Um, I mean, at that point, I don't know that there's any more positives um, in regards to that. I mean, maybe those, maybe the people that stuck, if they are sticking with the the brand as it comes in, maybe have, they have some more freedom to do some other things. They don't have to spend their time working on accounting and, um, you know, other things. And they could just focus on, you know, the parts of the business that they like. Um, so maybe some things, good things can come from that. Um, but, um, I mean, I think especially with STG, you know, track record of, of purchasing other brands, um, you know, usually it's not, uh, for the, for the end consumer that's aware, it's not, it's usually not a positive, um, for new, new consumers and consumers who weren't, weren't aware of those brands, they, they probably won't notice anything different at all. Um, or they won't have known what the product was before. So, um, it just depends, I guess, on your perspective of, you know, if it's new to you and you just know what you know about it, then you probably don't see anything negative. But if you have history with it and you know the track record and you can judge for yourself what you think is going to happen, then it's probably not the best for you and you're probably going to move on to something else. So that's kind of how I, how I see those things. Okay. John? Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, the, the thing to keep in mind here is, you know, as we sit here and have this conversation, we're we're the one percent. And I don't mean that as a positive. We're the one percent of cigar smokers, you know, like like the 90 percent of cigar smokers out there. They don't even know that these acquisitions are taking place. And even if you told them, they probably wouldn't even understand it, nor would they care because the average consumer they know their local brick and mortar, you know, they, they have their local relationship or maybe they buy online and that's what they know. And, you know, I think there's been a transition in the last five or six years where people have sort of started to gather more knowledge, uh, which I think is a positive 
thing. I think more informed consumers is a good thing. But at the end of the day, the average guy that comes into a store, he's not going to have any clue. And so, like Aaron said, he's probably not even going to know. Even if there was a tangible shift, it's very unlikely that he's going to know. Um, I don't know, you know, what the end sort of results going to be. I know that there there is kind of two types of acquisition out there. And, you know, I think back to uh, whiskey distilleries, you know, there's a lot of Japanese companies that have bought up uh, distilleries in Scotland. And a lot of those acquisitions have been very positive because they've come in with a lot of money, a lot of support. And they've said, listen, the reason we bought you is because you have this thing that you do in a particular way that made you favorable to purchase in the first place. And why do we want to change that if that's what made us want to acquire you in the first place? So please continue to do what you do in the way that you do it. And we will provide cash flow and guidance where possible, but we want you to continue to be successful. And then there's the other kind of acquisition, which is we like what you do. Now we're going to take what you do and we're going to find it uh, ways to make it profitable, which in the end of the day probably means uh, making changes to the way they do things, which means it's not going to be the same thing. But again, it's only going to be a very, very, very finite amount of the market like us who would even know that or even pick up on that if, if we even yeah. did pick up on that. So, um, you know, it's not going to. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to throw that out. That's the one that sticks out in my mind that that the that in my personal opinion, based on my experience of products before and products after and. Uh, presence of brand, um, marketing strategy, things like that. In my personal opinion, they dropped the ball on that brand when it had a lot more potential than than they gave it. So, I mean, it's a perfectly reasonable take. I mean, I don't know. It's and it's it's. I you know, I'm the Monday morning quarterback. You know, looking you know from the outside, saying, look, based on what I see, my and you're totally right, John. We are the that that cigar nerd realm of consumer uh, and, and media that we, we see behind the curtain and in a lot of cases and things like that. But uh, I love how cigars and uh, beers have so much uh, duality in, in the way that, you know, we can, we can look at them in similar veins and uh, so many beer consumers, you know, the, that, they they go into their local liquor store and they walk to the exact same cooler in the back of the store. They open up the door, they buy their 12 pack of Miller Lite and they go home. And the cigar consumer goes into his brick and mortar shop once a week. He gets his box of Monte Cristo whites and he buys them and he goes home. And that's that's so, so many. Or they go online to Cigars International or Cigar Page and they buy their bundle of Flor de Oliva or something like that. And that's, that's, that's it for them. Um, but then there are the people who, I mean, for me, every time I go into a cigar shop, I'm looking for something different that I haven't tried before, which for us as media granted is not easy, yeah. but also when I go into the liquor store, I'm, I'm asking the guys, Hey, what's new. Are you get anything from some local microbreweries or some cool stuff or whatever. And they know kind of what types of beer I like or whatever, which, Actually, that's kind of all of them, but that's a bad example. <laughs> but uh, it's there's there's so much uh, similarity in um, in those two markets, and yeah, you're right. Most consumers uh, who call themselves cigar smokers um, 
they they just they found what they like and they stick with it and they smoke that and they don't know anything about Alec Bradley. They don't know anything about Room 101. Um, you know, they don't know anything about um, a lot of the boutique brands that that, you know, we consider to be some favorites. Yeah, and that's kind of like, you know, that's that's the smarter play, right? If you find something that you like, you just enjoy it and you're, you know, yeah. you're in bliss. And we we have we have something going on with us that where we feel that we need to try something new, knowing that ninety five percent chance we're going to be disappointed in this thing that we're trying, but we still have to do it to satisfy whatever itch it is in us to say I've tried that one. I know you know I it, you just want to be able to say you tried everything. I guess yeah. for me that's that's kind of the bug I have is like I just want to try it because what if I didn't try it and it was like the greatest the greatest one right like. Yeah, I just, have, I just have to see. That's a great. We do have something wrong with us. I totally yeah. agree. <laughs> it's, it's so true. I mean, how many of us have had, you know, whether it's our our wife or a friend of ours that are like, oh, I'll be I'll be over in a few minutes. I got to stop at the cigar shop. They're like, why? Yeah. You have, do you you have you don't need any more cigars. You have well, a lifetime but, supply of cigars. What are yeah. you doing? But the, the 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 guy, you know, the owner is like, "Hey, I got this new thing in today." It's like, yeah. "Oh, I haven't tried that yet." So you got to stop in and pick yeah. up a five pack. It's a sickness. Got to yeah. get you new with the FOMO. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I mean, the good news, the good thing is that you know, with with the advent of podcasts and and video casts and Instagram and and blog pages and and you know all that stuff there is a lot of great information out there. So if someone does kind of decide that, you know, they want to move on from their Macanudo whites and, and they want to branch out, there's more information out there than there ever has been in the history of anything in that they can educate themselves, hopefully for the better to find out, you know, or, or find someone that they trust as a, as a trusted advisor to say, you know, look, I'm trying to move out of this what can you point me towards? And, you know, if they can get a good shop, I mean, there's a lot of really great B&Ms out there that can help them guide through that process to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm happy you asked, let me move you from what you've been smoking every day and I'll move you to something that's adjacent and then, you know, continue that journey. Um, but it's, you know, the guy that's like Aaron said, honestly, if, if you, if you enjoy smoking that cigar, that same cigar all the time, it kind of simplifies things pretty, pretty substantially. Cause it's always, yeah. you know, if it's a main, if a main manufacturer, it's always going to be an inventory price is going to be very consistent. It's never going to be out of stock. Yeah, that's true. I will say from personal experience, when it comes to the, the one difference that I see between beer and cigars with mass produced products hmm. is consistency in beer because beer is, I mean, it's like, it's like so dialed in. Like if you get a case of Miller, bad example, because I can't stand that stuff. If you get a case of uh, just standard issue Budweiser, if you get a case of that stuff 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, the case that you buy today is absolutely exactly the same. I yeah. mean, down to like they, they, they measure the, you know, the, chemical makeup and everything is 100% identical. Now that box of Monty whites, you're especially when you get into the mass produced stuff or even more into the bundle cigars where they're literally making, you know, some of these, uh, facings they're, they're roll. They have whole teams of rollers dedicated to just roll those. Cause they sell so much. And 
it feels like based on my experience and tasting, you know, cigars that I haven't had in a while, it's like this, this is something's different about this. And you don't get that with, with mass produced beer, you get exactly the same product. Whereas mass produced cigars, they're, uh, they're in my opinion, in my experience, more likely to try to put in a little bit of a curveball with, Oh, this bale was a little less, you know, perfect but you know we're, we bought it anyway and here it is kind of thing well i mean that, make, that makes sense given that it's an agricultural product um right. you don't you know like and and the same you're talking about the beer consistency the same is true of whiskey manufacturing they do the exact same thing like if you buy you know a 12 year old glen kinchy today and a you know 12 year old bottle from 10 years ago they should taste almost identical you should be able to taste them side by side and they should be literally you couldn't tell the difference um but you know because it is, it, I mean, gosh, between crops of the same year, you can have vastly different performing tobacco. Um, it's got to be extremely difficult as a, as a larger company to produce a cigar at that scale and try and try and maintain that consistency just year over year, let alone, you know, the drift that might occur in five years or if uh, a particular crop is no longer available or a particular binder or wrapper is no longer available. That's got to be just i mean yeah. i know they buy tobacco for many many years out but eventually there's a little bit of a drift and that that's got to be infuriatingly difficult can you recall a brand or a specifically a, a facing a particular cigar blend that you noticed uh and and we, i don't say this disparagingly because i know some companies have been through this and and learned from it and been transparent about it and and gotten better but as far as you know that first production run of of a cigar you know that hits the market that is just brilliant in flavor and aroma and construction and and uh combustion and and all the all the best parts of what you want to get out of a cigar and then maybe the second or third or eighth or twelfth production run a year or three years down the line um has has not only been you know sparingly different but drastically different can you guys recall an example of that that stands out in your mind if you have one john go ahead i don't have one off the top of my head i mean i can say in a, in a smaller scale uh that happens every year um you know when we so part of the reason that um aaron kind of made the transition away from you know and i, I don't even know if we ever did smoke or review show samples but the the problem with show samples um, from the trade show is you'll smoke a show sample or you even smoke a cigar that's supposedly on the market and then you'll smoke it when it gets into the shop. And I'd say nine times out of 10, Aaron, it, it doesn't taste the same. And, and, you know, that again, that's just in a very finite same year process, let alone trying to smoke that cigar a year down the road. And I mean, there's obviously a million different variations on that of why that could be, but I mean, we see that, Every year, every year we try something at the trade show or we try something after the trade show and then we finally get that sort of in the shop release. And in some cases it's better, but in some cases it's not. And that that happens almost every year. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's I, I, I'm a I'm a horrible cigar smoker because I, <laughs> I don't really smoke the same cigar more than a few times, over, yeah. you know, over the course of five years. Um, 
you know, so if I come back to a cigar, I probably don't come back to it until it's been a, a couple of years or something like that. And by that time, you know, who knows if it's the cigar or if it's my palate that's changed enough at that point. But um, yeah, I mean, I, there's that's going to be the case, you know, uh, especially with how you guys were talking with the comparison with the beer and the cigars. It's just, you know, crops change. It's, it's, it's really hard to keep it, to keep it consistent. I know people work, work you know, the blenders work really hard to try to make it happen. Yeah. Um, but it's not always possible based on, you know, but what's going on with the environment, what's going on with the rain, what's going on with whatever, you know, mold and insects or whatever's going on. But yeah. um, it's, it, that, that's why it's like, if you find a good consistent cigar that you can go back to and you feel like it's really staying that way, then you should just stick with it because it's really hard for it to happen. And that's, I think that's kind of why like, our, our smoking style where we're always kind of smoking new stuff and things like that. It's like, um, you know, to, to feel like you're going to be able to go back to something five years later and, and smoke the new version, you know, this, the new production of it and think it's going to harken back to the one that you smoked five years ago. That's a really tall task to ask of some of people to, to be able to make that happen. So mm, um, yeah. I've kind of just left, I, I've kind of just been okay with it. You know, saying to myself, like, I'm just smoking this cigar here in the now I don't know that, I, you know, other than whatever I have on hand from that time and, you know, in that batch, you know, I, I don't know that I ask for anything more than that. You know, I just have to keep moving and, and find that next group that I can go to if I, if I want to smoke a group, you know, but um, it's just, I think just keep moving. Don't look back. If it's, yeah. you know, if you have some, it's great. But if you don't, you know, you'll find something else that you can, that you can enjoy later on. Yeah, that's, that's well put because I do. Sometimes I get, um, as, as Skip would say, I get all up in my feelings, you know, about, <laughs> about it sometimes. And, and you realize that they, they are the, the people who are uh, in the farms, the factories, the blenders, the tasters, all that. They're, they are putting in an absolute incredible amount of effort to, to uh, put out a quality product. Yeah. And um, I just got to focus on that and... And like you, like you said, it's there's a lot of pieces that go into it. And my uh, my palate, you know, three weeks from now might be completely jacked up for a reason that I can't possibly explain. Yeah. You know, whether it's I, I'm sick and I don't realize it, or you know, I I ate uh, you know some spicy food, some spicy night. food yeah. the day before yeah. and totally forgot or what it, it, it who knows what could yeah. go into it that i just got have like a good one that just was shit the first time around and then you're like wow this is actually well, really good it's like the total opposite that's actually a good one too is is we uh, i mean i remember uh, i've used this example before back in the day the first time i ever tried the the jaime garcia um uh cigar the uh was it the personal reserve, the Jaime Garcia? Um, and the first time, and I heard so, and this was gosh, eight, nine years ago when it, when it first came out, whenever that was. Uh, and I heard so many great things about it and I bought one and I smoked it and it was horrible, but I may have just been in a bad place mentally. I may have been, may have been, had a bad palate that day from God knows what, and I was super disappointed and I told some people about it. And then three weeks later, I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I bought another one <laughs> and it was fantastic. Yeah. And everyone I've had since then was great. 
So it's, I have to, for me personally, I have to just remember that's why. And I know you, I, I shouldn't say, I know I say, how many cigars do you guys smoke for a review? Typically it's one. There'll be some instances where somebody will smoke uh, more than one, but it's usually okay. one. Okay. I, I like to do two or three just because I, I don't trust, I, I should, I shouldn't say I don't trust my own palate, <laughs> but I, I, I don't trust my own feelings uh and and i just you never know it's like i'm in a shitty mood one day and i smoke this and i'm like this cigar sucks and you know then everybody else in the world's like matt you're really stupid because that cigar is fantastic and i smoke it again i'm like oh yeah i'm an idiot so you know i want to test one to rest right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm in couples yeah i think i think for us um because you know our target i think our target is 100 right aaron for yeah. the year yeah so you think about like hundred cigars in a year. So I have to sit down and, and write reviews and, and consciously focus on hundred cigars a year, somewhere in my free time. And if that number were 300, because I'm smoking two or three cigars to do that review, I would essentially be smoking every other day just for review. And eventually over time, I'd probably get pretty bitter and sad and, you know, <laughs> probably hate reviewing cigars. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, in a lot of ways, our experience probably more mirrors the consumer experience and, and not necessarily in a good way, because I am constantly telling consumers that I talk to to say, like, look, just because you had a bad experience once doesn't reflect on that brand, doesn't even reflect on that particular release. Uh, it certainly doesn't reflect on all the product that comes out of that factory. Uh, and as you say, you know, it could have just been you. It could have been the smoking environment. Um, you know, try again or try a different size or try a different, you know, cigar from that manufacturer, because I pretty much guarantee your experience is not going to be the same. Mm. There's just such a enormous staggering amount of offerings that are on the market to choose from. Yeah, that's true. And with you guys too, in general, I know Aaron, you said you're not smoking anything tonight because you have to review tomorrow. And I, I remember talking to TPE about like the process and how that works out. Uh, what's what's the thought process behind that? I mean, I understand the clean palette, but for the viewers out there, uh, what does that look like when you guys like let's say get ready to you know review a cigar the next day, clean your palate out? What 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 are the benefits or what are some of the things that go along with that process? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, I'm just trying not to smoke anything, you know, too close ahead of when I'm going to actually sit down and smoke for review. So, um, you know, it's usually um, I, I, I usually do a review three times a week um, and I'm obviously not smoking anything, uh, the, you know, the night before. So um, I usually have at least 24 hours with, you know, between smoking experiences. Um, I'll get up in the morning. I'll have breakfast um you know do some work um and then settle in uh for the review um just pairing it with um uh you know pellegrino just the normal unflavored mineral water just so you know i want to have something to kind of you know keep my mouth uh hydrated and um not anything that's really going to impart any flavor or anything like that but i feel like the mineral water kind of keeps keeps my tongue kind of clean and all that stuff I want to be able to taste throughout. Um, and that's pretty much it. I'm just focused on the cigar during that time. Um, and um, just taking down my notes and getting a feel for the cigar and trying to pay as much attention as possible so that I can just share what my experience is and uh, positive, negative, whatever it is, just to be able to kind of convey that, that along. So I try to just keep it really, you know, really simple, but um, it's, I don't have any 
weird rituals. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to walk around, uh, you know, with the cigar and look at it three times. And, you know, I don't, I don't have to clip, clip my uh, guillotine cutter like seven times before I get going and it's like that. So, um, yeah, it's just, um, it's a pretty standard process for me. Yeah, and for you, John, is it similar to the water with gas kind of stuff? Is that kind of how you do it too? Or, uh, I'm, I'm actually, uh, Agua Natural. Um, you know, I try to do, uh, because I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to have, we have mountain spring water here. So, um, I just do still water, but same thing. Um, you know, I try to make sure there's a significant gap between my breast ritual of coffee and then, uh, breakfast. And then it's usually at least two hours between the last time I sort of drank something that wasn't water or ate anything so that my palate is as clean as possible. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, and believe it or not, my goal is I want to have the best possible. Exp- I want to find that eight. Every cigar I smoke, my goal mm. is I want this to be an eight or a nine. Yeah. That's like, that's what I'm looking for. So I want to set that cigar up with as much success as possible, which means, you know, my storage consistent uh, storage system is as consistent as possible. My humidity is consistent. My temperature is consistent. My smoky environment is consistent. So I feel like in a lot of ways, we probably give every possible opportunity to this cigar in a review to give it that chance. You know, I'm not smoking in a windy environment uh, I'm not smoking outside anymore when it's minus 15 freedom. Um, and you know, I, I, you know, I, I do often smoke two cigars in a day for review, but they're usually separated by about six to eight hours. So there's a, there's a substantial, uh, time gap between those two cigars so that, you know, and I, and if, um, I were to have a, for example, a really heavy cigar first thing in the day, then I would know, well, I can't do another review because my palate simply wouldn't be adjusted back to be able to pick up on nuances of a second cigar. Um, so I do look at what I'm smoking uh, to get a sense of like, how should I do this? You know, lighter cigar in the morning, heavier cigar in the afternoon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, that's kind of my routine. Nice. Okay. Now, kind of the last question is, as far as uh, industry and consumer stuff um, is related to marketing. and it's it's and it's not just about presentation of product but it's about uh the thing i put in my notes was uh marketing ploys so how are we to balance as consumers how are we to balance marketing ploys against true quality and what markers should consumers be on the lookout for that you've that you've seen trending in in the past or recently um, uh, I think I'm really bad, uh, to answer this because, um, I absolutely have zero interest in the stories. I have zero interest in the bands. I have zero interest in the blend. Um, I, I don't care about any of that stuff. Like it doesn't matter to me. You could say it's, you know, it's grown out of here and I like stuff from out of there. I, I don't care. I just, I just want to smoke it and see if it's good. Um, and I, I look for brands that, you know, kind of have a track record of putting out good stuff. Um, or somebody, you know, says they're working with so-and-so that has done something I liked or something like that, that will have me interested. But other than that, uh, the marketing stuff really doesn't, um, drive me to, to want to, to try anything. And, and I would try to tell consumers that, I mean, but it's hard because, um, you know, they're not, if they're, you know, if they're not kind of in tune with what's going on and things like that, they're not going to know, you know, which one to try of anything. So yeah. it's going to be the marketing stuff that kind of that kind of draws them in and that's that's okay once you start going down that path then you can start figuring out what you like and maybe fit, find out different things that will get you on but 
Um, you know, flashy bands, cool stories, uh, a principal being in a cigar shop doing an event that those are all going to be things that kind of, you know, get your attention, but, um, a celebrity smoking a particular cigar, I'm sure drives a lot of people, especially very casual smokers or even non-smokers to, to try something out. So, um, I would try to tell people, don't let that stuff kind of really sway you, um, you know, think about, um, other things that are kind of popping in and, you know, that, that interests you that, uh, maybe you want to, you want to check it out for some other reason, but that that's the only thing I can give you. Okay. John, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I know, uh, as a guy who's been in sales for a real long time, I'm a, acutely aware of the impact that marketing has on my decision-making. And because I'm acutely aware of it, I try to, uh, control that as much as possible because I can't, I can't consciously understand how it's affecting my choices and my decision-making and, you know, my attempts at objectively, uh, approaching something that's highly subjective. And so what I do, you know, typically is I try to avoid all the information that Aaron has collected on the, the, the blend, the factory that comes out, the price. And I try to sort of ignore that as much as possible. The problem, of course, is that when we've been smoking for, and you guys are the same way, when we've been smoking as long as we have, there are times where you can literally light up a cigar. And we've had this, I've had this conversation privately with Aaron so many times where I light up a cigar, I take two puffs and I go, oh, this is coming out of AJ Fernandez. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I didn't need to look at the, the, the sheet to know that I can taste that it's his tobacco from his factory. I know what that tastes like, but I do try to, you know, not let whatever that wrapper or binder or filler or whatever is adjust that. And there was actually a pretty hilarious example of that recently in a review we published where both Seth and I uh, didn't even look at the price. And it wasn't until we were sitting down to the review where the price got dropped on us and we we're like, holy crap, that is an expensive cigar. I did not expect that from my experience. And so, you know, I think that's, it's good to try and control from that because, you know, I think that will get someone to buy a cigar once, but if it's not a good cigar, I'm not sure that that's going to really affect them being able to buy that or want to buy that cigar repeatedly or a second time, you know, like that's, that's, that's a good for a first purchase. It's not necessarily good for a second purchase. And, you know, I can definitely uh, pass on all the, the marketing BS and all the stories and all that stuff. Um, you know, I'm not interested in any of that. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I'm going to ask Justin, is it time? Is it time for what? Is it time? I forgot what we're doing. I think it's time for this week's. Oh my gosh. Numero de los, de los muertos. muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. Numero de los Muertos, episode 201. 
And Garrett was kind enough to select and send a numero de los muertos to me. So, Garrett, thank you very much for that. Be careful. Ronnie's in the house, too. So this old brother, Ronnie, be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So uh, you guys are familiar with numero de los muertos. Yes. The answer is three. Three. Three people a year, on average, die from this thing. Thing. Okay. Does this thing happen on land? Uh, it does happen on land, yes. Okay. Mitchell says moose attacks. <laughs> <laughs> I think that number's way higher. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be higher. And uh, Gary says, in the U.S. It's in the U.S. Okay. In the U.S. Okay. In the U.S., yes. I mean, it could be moose attacks maybe in the U.S. You're muted, John. Is this something that someone ingests? Ooh. Uh, I don't believe so. All right. I'll, uh, I'll have to read into this here. Um, Skip says lightning strike. No, it is not. I bet, I bet there's a couple hundred people that are killed by lightning strikes. Not <laughs> interesting. I think we did lightning strikes. Uh, it is not lightning strikes. I mean, three people is not a lot. This is a that's a very, very small number. Yeah, this is a very uh, low, low number. Our vehicles tragedy. Uh, vehicles are not involved. Okay. Is this workplace accident related? Uh, no. Uh, Mitchell says, is it a disease? It is not a disease. Um, not a disease, not medical. Well, med I mean, somebody's dying, so it's medical, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Syphilis. <laughs> Syphilis. You get to say it. Yes. <laughs> Syphilis. No? Is it not does, it, oh, okay. does it involve an animal? Uh, no animals are involved. Ronnie Ooh. says, is it weather related? Uh, it is not weather related. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Would we classify this as uh, human accidental? Um, yes. Technically, yes. Technically, yes. Okay. It happens on land, not yeah. workplace related, not vehicle related, not ingesting, no animals are involved. Not a Three disease. Three people a year. But I can tell that you that he had I can tell you're an analytics guy because you rattled all that off without <laughs> taking notes. So I love it. Related to transportation. Sorry, Aaron, go ahead. Transportation. The fact that he was, he had to like look into the ingesting part a little bit more is kind of what's curious, isn't it? here. Um, I'm, I'm looking here at what Garrett sent me and no, there's no, no, ingestion. no. no transportation. There's no ingestion no involved. Ingestion, no skydiving. No skydiving. Uh, it's on land. Remember, it's on yeah, land. Well, that's where they—that's where the accident happens on land. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will. I will give you a hint. It is yeah. a recreational activity. Okay. Uh, okay. says New York Jets fans jumping off the George Washington Bridge. <laughs> way higher than three. I assure you, way higher. I have a guess. Okay. It is uh, free solo climbers falling to their death not sport climbers but free solo climbers excellent guess but that's not correct okay falling in a well nope not falling in a well water skiing 
Interesting. But that wouldn't be on land. No, I hope. That would be on land. Yeah. And, and if it was water skiing on land, I feel like it'd be more than three. <laughs> oh, JJ says tree falling on you hunting. No. no, but I actually, I'd be, it'd be more likely that a, a hunter would fall out of their tree stand because they didn't put on a safety strap. That <laughs> happens probably a few dozen in Minnesota alone Ooh. every year die from falling out of a tree stand. I like where Dan's head's at. Yeah. Someone, someone, dying from a selfie picture yeah no we did that actually yeah. that was one of the early what about replacing garrett on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that. no that's uh that's that's more that's way more than three well, he's not yeah and that'd be that'd be murder how about uh, like a roller skating accident not roller skating mm. i will say okay i'll give another hint i already said that it's it's a recreational activity yeah it's a team recreational activity hit by a baseball thing is it cardiac arrests from soccer no mm-hmm. yeah is it uh is it a professional or amateur level team related activity both oh interesting amateurs and professionals some yes do some you, of some of each do you die due to force or from complications um both okay. hockey players who exsanguinate from being cut by ice skates i i, I love the the <laughs> vocabulary yeah. but no not avalanches not avalanches we not, did that one not football not football hit by a puck well, let's it see if we can not, narrow down the sport it, it is not uh it is not a common Sports, curling. It's not curling. It's not pickleball. Disc golf. It's not disc golf. It's not lacrosse. Choking and a what? Choking and a snitch during Quidditch. It is not Quidditch. Okay. Not lacrosse. Not lacrosse. Not lacrosse. Not football. Not baseball. Not hockey. Not rugby. Not soccer. I'm trying to think of Mm. other. uh, but it's on land, so it wouldn't involve water. Cricket bat. Hmm. Handball. Uh, not handball. Projectiles are involved. There's another oh. big hint. So, so oh. Racquetball. Not racquetball. Paintball, paintball or... Paintball. Um, John, you said it. Paintball. paintball. Wow. All right. It is paintball. Is it is it people who take their masks off and are shot in the face or eye so which causes a hematoma this says uh there have been a few instances reported in which men have died either during or shortly after a game from heart attacks after being shot in the chest Ooh. Ooh. um anyone who's played paintball knowing getting hit when you're not expecting it can call it a surprise and discomfort yeah it really blows with when you get yeah. hit by a paintball um and then uh, others uh, struck. It says anyone who ever is struck in the head in an yeah, unprotected yeah. area of the head by a paintball should be closely examined afterwards. Um, Garrett, Garrett says CO2 explosions. Oh, and yeah. Eyes. Also, if the if yeah. uh, if the tank, if your yeah. propellant tank explodes mm. um, or that's gets a leak, uh, that's that's no good. That is no bueno. So three people, huh? Uh, three people a year in the U.S. Okay. Yeah. Which I, I, I when he said a, this to me, I was blown away. I mean, I used to play paintball semi, 
not professionally, but semi-competitively. And I certainly had more than my fair share of neck goiters <laughs> and like serious. I probably in retrospect should have been checked out. Uh, Cause I had a few um, like significant lumps on the skull, which probably has led me to be a crazy person in the cigar industry. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, I mean, 350 feet per second is no joke. Yeah. See, the worst ones come when you're like playing with like you're doing you're playing some rec ball with like some guys or whatever, and it's like somebody on your team that's like standing next to you and they have their finger on the trigger and they like shoot yes. you in the inside of your thigh because <laughs> yeah. they're standing next to you. Those are the ones that hurt, yeah. hurt the most because you're like, uh it's two feet away and 350 feet per second. But you gotta yeah. have trigger discipline. Yeah. You yeah. have to have yeah. trigger discipline, just this like a real firearm. Yeah. yeah, this, this is, is my safety. safety. <laughs> that's right. Uh yeah, hit in the ball. So I I used to play um, just recreational, mm -hmm. recreationally with a group of guys. We now we never did any course play. Like we never went mm. to an official course with all the inflatables. We just right. played in the woods. Yeah, it was like it was like, like Call Black. of Duty like, before yeah. there was Call of Duty. Like Captain yeah. Black and Boy Scouts or something. Yeah, you know. And we would go play in the woods, uh, paintball, and yeah. uh, I always wore a cup because yeah. what yeah. Uh, now. I shouldn't say always. The first time I went to play paintball, I didn't wear a cup. Now I didn't get hit in the balls with a paintball, but I got shot right in the ass from about <laughs> nine feet away. And it was, hor I was like, if this ever were to hit me in the balls, I may never be able. And this was before we had kids. Yeah. I was like, I'm this, that may be it for, you know, ever having a family. So yeah, I started wearing a cup from then on. Probably a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with Aaron. The uh, the worst I ever got was definitely inner thigh related. Like, I don't know what I think it was always because you'd be crouched. And so yeah. the, the yeah. Your pant material would be nice and taut. That was absolutely by far the worst or uh, or the um, you're reaching for a flag and someone would catch you in the shoulder blade. Yeah. Oh, oh. or you, you, you get out there reaching and your you your sleeve pulls back and it gets you on the wrist. Yeah. I got it. I got it on the wrist one time, right? And my whole hand was tingly for like two days because <laughs> yeah. all the nerves just got completely, you know, like a tuning fork. It was yeah. terrible. You uh, can definitely see why guys transition from playing paintball to playing. Uh, I forget the name of the other one with the uh, the little airsoft. Airsoft, thank you. Oh yeah, I never did airsoft. I did paintball for a few years, but then my buddies and I got into video gaming, and we had land parties and. Yeah built our pcs and all that so we, we just moved it inside basically yeah. <laughs> way safer more expensive but way safer which is worse paintball or airsoft paintball is way worse the the projectiles and airsoft are tiny little two mil um i mean they'll sting but yeah. paintball literally has like like i'm not kidding like a two inch welt mm -hmm. that lasts yeah. a week if you get hit wrong it's it's no mm -hmm. joke yeah oh, I, like inside of my thigh i've had it where like it's blown up to like you got oh, the yeah. hole and then oh. you got the, like the green and then you got the yellow and then it's just oh, like yeah. a oh. hole inside of my thigh i'm having yeah. ptsd flashbacks <laughs> <laughs> my paintballs hey, oh man let's go do like a cigar you know industry paintball oh brother oh that wouldn't get out of hand like like media paintball. yeah get alcohol involved in <laughs> cigars yeah what could possibly go wrong yeah all, oh all i know is uh what sort of transitioned me away from paintball is I'd been practicing four or five days a week. And like I said, it was semi-competitively and we decided to go up against a, a competitive team just to see where our skill level is at. And they absolutely 100% <laughs> mopped the floor with us. It wasn't even close. And at that point I went, this is not me. I need to move on to a different 
uh, activity because there's, there's just no way I'm ever going to get good enough to compete at that level. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, man. So that was this week's Numero de los Muertos. All right, let's jump into the lightning round brought to you by J.C. Newman Cigar Company, America's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker, creators of the popular Brickhouse, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown, and The American. J.C. Newman Cigar Company operates out of their 112-year-old El Relo Cigar Factory in historic Cigar City, Tampa, Florida. For more information on their cigars or visitor experience, please visit jcnewman.com. All right, uh, so Aaron, you're going to go first because this is your first time on the show, right. um, and and one of these questions, uh, regular question we we ask that I'm not even going to ask you because I already know the answer. Is is you would want to hit a home run as a starting pitcher? I that's got to be your oh, answer, yeah, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so we'll skip that one completely. Um, but if you were to hear the thoughts of one living person for ten minutes, who would it be and why? living thoughts of one person mm. holy smokes i feel like we need some music in the background yeah i mean this is a time yeah. give me the jeopardy music this is perfect <laughs> um i don't know if any of those it'll be my wife i just gotta know wow like, how, how, how how weird how weird or how stupid does she think i am that's that's what that's what it is. I always I I give you props. I say that's the most courageous answer because <laughs> I would never I would I I am not courageous enough to want to hear what my wife is thinking at any given moment. I don't have the balls for that. Yeah. No way. Um all right, so John, you've had some of these questions before, so I'm going to hit you with some that I think are new to you. All right. So, who was your um your biggest uh celebrity crush as a kid or a teenager uh well right off, i'll just go with my gut because it's lightning round Alyssa milano dude i was like that's the right answer for someone our age i think yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah totally samantha maselli yep. yeah yeah absolutely um all right so let's go with um all right if aaron if you were suddenly a billionaire what would be the first unnecessary thing? I mean, after you paid everything off and all that, yeah, what would yeah, be the first unnecessary thing you would spend some money on? Um, it'd probably be a car, something that's just crazy, ridiculously fast and whatever, just to just, uh, I don't know, go crazy with. I think it'd be fun. Something impractical and just yeah, you know, yeah. like uh, I don't know. It would be like, are we know, talking a classic four. car or modern supercar? Uh, I could go either way. Like I, I would, I just want to like, I just want to be doing burnouts everywhere. Like you know, <laughs> I you know I can uh, in you know meet the parents when they're he's trying to race them home. They're race, they're drag racing at every stoplight. Like yeah. uh, that's how I'd be. I just big old burnout. <laughs> you know, as soon as I saw the yellow light on the on the tangent thing, I'd be burning out, and then right to the next light, and then screeching them at the next stoplight, and we'll just keep doing it until the, I have to go to the tire shop and get, get a new set put on. Nice, yeah. Uh, John, what about you? I think it'd be a, a mansion type property first, um, just because I would love to 
just have a you know ridiculous smoking uh, room and a and a you know pool room and a bar room. And I would just go crazy. Car would be number two, and uh, it'd probably be like a '67 Corvette Stingray would be my go-to. You know, cherry outside, white leather interior. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, now I, I don't know if John has had the, John. Have you had the zombie question before? I don't know that I have. Okay, Ooh. let's do this. We're going to start with John on this one. So, John. The zombies are coming. The zombies are coming. Yeah. You get to pick three people from the cigar industry to be oh, on shit. your zombie survival, zombie apocalypse survival team. Who are you choosing? And uh, <clears throat> off the top of my head, Skip Martin, number one, because I know he's got a selection of guns and he knows how to use them. He's, he's uh, very accurate. Uh, he's also got some skills. So right off the top for firepower, Skip Martin for number two, I feel like Nick Perdomo because I feel like Nick is a survivalist. You know what I mean? Like he's always, he's, he seems like a scrappy guy who's going to find a way to survive. And, uh, number three would probably be Alan Rubin because Alan Rubin seems like a really smart strategic thinker. And I would definitely need someone on the team who is a very smart strategic thinker to keep everyone in line. Excellent choices. Uh, Aaron, what about you? Uh, first guy I'm going with is Andre Farkas. Uh, he seems to know zombies really well. So <laughs> I'm going to use whatever knowledge he has to help out. In the, That's a in great the answer. Holy shit. That's a great um, answer. Next is going to be Matt Booth. Uh, I need that military grunt style oh, yeah, uh, and yeah. also weirdness to kind of play in there. Uh, and then I'm also going to go with Dean Parsons because I just need that big dude, like helping yes. me out with whatever we got going on. So those are my three guys against the zombies, man. Nice. I love it. Can't go wrong there. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's jump into uh, uh, notable smokable for this week. So guys, each week we name a cigar that we smoked recently uh, that was notable to us. Now, it could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we smoked for the first time in a very long time, or it could be a cigar that's brand new to the market that we smoked for the first time ever. Uh, so, Aaron, what's something you smoked recently that really stood out? Uh, the Davidoff Gear of the Rabbit. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I thought it was um, kind of a hearkening back to some of the really well-done Davidoffs, kind of a, a good mix of some of the core line profiles. Um I mean, the price point's not attractive at all, so it's not something I'm going to be able to smoke on a regular basis. Um, but it was something that was special, you know, from that price point, and I, you know, I enjoyed it. So that 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 was notable for me recently. Nice, John. What about you? Uh, off the top of my head, I go the Las Ces Provencias from Espinosa, the uh, CMW. Um, that really blew me away. I was all in on that cigar, and that. That's, I think, the most notable standout for me in the in the very recent history. That's awesome. Uh, Justin, what did you have for a notable this week? I had a couple, but one that stuck out or stood out to me, uh, I think we got it over at the TPE trade show, was the Apostate Cigars uh, Feathered Serpent. Yeah. It's got yeah. A, a darker Candela wrapper that doesn't taste like a Candela really whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So it is a uh, good smoke all the way through. Yeah, I enjoyed that one too. Um, my notable is one that I, it's so, it's so weird that I expected to not really like it. And when I say that, I mean, I expected to not like it as much as the original version. Mm -hmm. So Pete Johnson came out with the the pork tender, basically the pork tenderloin Tuxla. 
Yeah. You know, the same, the same cigar, but with the Tuxla San Andreas wrapper on it. I didn't think I was going to like that cigar because I am such a fan of the original with that broad leaf. And I just really always loved that pork tenderloin cigar. So I said, okay, I mean, I just don't think I'm going to like it as much. I, I'm not saying it's better, but I, I say I put it on equal footing with the original pork tenderloin. I really enjoy I've smoked a couple of them now and I really enjoyed that cigar. And, um, even though I, I should kick myself for even doubting that I was going to like, <laughs> but it's, you know, you never know. It's like, I just love that broadleaf so much. And Pete does such great work with broadleaf, but man, yeah. that blend with the San Andreas wrapper, it still works so beautifully together and it's it tastes like a different cigar yeah it is a different cigar but you know what i mean it's just it's it's uh it's in a different realm but it's still uh the the flavor there's so much natural sweetness for whatever reason that i get out of that blend even with the san andreas wrapper with all that earthiness and all that it's still that sweetness just pops on that cigar so i was super happy with that one um, so let's, uh, let our viewers and listeners know real quick about some stuff we have coming up on the next couple episodes and coming attractions brought to us by AJ Fernandez born and raised in Cuba. AJ Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The AJ Fernandez portfolio of cigars provides blend strength and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer, whether it's new world. Dios de Gloria, San Latano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes, you are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from AJ Fernandez. Uh, so next week on the show, on May 15th, we have Art Garcia as our special guest of the evening. And then the following Monday night on May 22nd, we have none other than Laurel Tilly uh, coming back for a second appearance on How About That Cigar Live. But first time with AJ. First time with AJ, yeah. 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 So very excited to hear about uh, how that uh, how that new adventure is going for her. So, um, guys, if you would please let us know uh, where is the best place for our viewers and listeners to keep up with what you have going on, and if you have anything special coming up that you want us to know about. Uh, so, developmentpalace.com for the website. Uh, Development Palace on YouTube. Development Palace on Instagram. Development Palace on Twitter. Uh, or on your favorite uh, podcast uh, location, so iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, wherever uh, you can read, listen, or watch. So that's it. Uh, nothing special coming up on the horizon, uh, but things will pop up every now and then. So just keep stay tuned. Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, cannot thank you enough so so much for being on this show tonight. We really appreciate your time and uh, love learning from you, love talking to you, and love uh, just. Uh, diving more into the cigar nerds obsession and, and sickness that we all have. Thank <laughs> yeah, you guys. Thank you. So we much. really appreciate it. Really appreciate on. being on. Thank you. Absolutely. So viewers and listeners, guys, thank you so much uh, for watching. How about that cigar live on Facebook and YouTube tonight? If you're listening on the audio podcast, thanks again so much for making us a part of your regular audio podcast rotation. Uh, if you guys have questions for any of us, please email us on the website. How about that cigar.com. Make sure to follow us on all social media at HBT cigar. And of course, until we see you guys next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Thanks guys. Thanks everybody.
Any comments, opinions, viewpoints, or statements presented or uttered by guests on the HBTC podcast, HBTC live video streams, and all other media from HBT Media LLC are solely those of the individual and do not necessarily represent the opinions or viewpoints of How About That Cigar or its parent company, HBT Media LLC, any of our advertising partners, or the premium cigar industry. The primary purpose of How About That Cigar is to entertain and to encourage activity and growth within the community of people who enjoy or want to learn about the enjoyment of premium premium cigars.